People who don't know, my name is Mary Gruce. Over here is Wade McDonald. He's one of our other co-hosts. And today's guest is Sybil Preeb. Is it Preeb or Preeby? Preeby. Have I said it wrong for like 13 years? I don't really know if I've caught you saying it wrong. So <laughs> Sybil Preeby, and you teach at NDSCS in Wapaton, North Dakota. So that's North Dakota School of what is it? North Dakota State. State State College State of College. Science. Yes. Yep. We used to be the State School of Science, now State College. And you teach English, right? College Comp 1 and 2 and Creative Writing fully online. Uh, that one is fully online. The other ones are kind of a smattering of hybrid, high flex, online, whatever stuff. Okay. <laughs> Mary, what do you teach here? I teach, oh, I teach. So, so for people who are listening, Sybil and I have known each other for about 15, 13 years, something like that. Been a while, yeah. yeah. We both teach English comp classes, literature. I teach li literature, not creative writing. But we both belong to an association called TICA, the two-year college association, um, teachers of writing. And so we met each other through that years ago. And um, Sybil's the one who introduced me to ungrading. Oh, wow. Wow. Right? It's all oh, Sybil's fault. <laughs> I got sucked in. And then the other day, uh, my colleague came up and she's having some issues with a, with a project. And I said, what if it wasn't a graded project? And she went, and I'm like, <laughs> I was just like, I felt like Dr. Evil. I was just like, I'm going to slowly suck them over to the dark side. Just one by one. Just beep, beep. <laughs> like, she's like, Ooh, that will work. I'm like, of course it will. Of course it will. So she got me started on ungrading. And then, then also kind of, we went, I went down the path of looking at also really what does it mean to be student ready? And so there's multiple reasons why I would, I wanted Sybil to be on our podcast. Um, but today's episode, particularly, cause you'll be on more promise. Um, yes. Is go. to talk about Sybil's books. I put stickers so, on them. So they're just covered in filth. <laughs> I love this. So as we get started, Sybil, could you explain like kind of your evolution in teaching? Because um, you used to use traditional textbooks and now you use primarily OERs. Specifically, you've been writing OERs. Yes. So I think it was a Taika. Here's another Taika connection. I'm pretty sure it was a Taika when we were in, um, uh, oh, it's like, it was a weird little, normal, normal Illinois. I'm pretty sure. Normal Illinois. We went I out think, to dinner at a fabulous restaurant that night. Yeah, Do you remember that? And I think oh. there was a session about um, op, uh, writingspaces.org. That was the first time I got like a taste of OER was, it, it's called writing. I think it still exists and those books are still really good. But was that 2015-ish? And I remember going to that session and going, oh, well, maybe. Because <laughs> I, I've just always kind of not liked the textbooks that have existed. Like I remember when I got my job at Science um, in 2005, like Wade was very cool. My boss's name is Wade. Um, he was very cool about, a lot of cool Wades out there. Uh, he was very cool about me using whatever I wanted. He didn't really have, they were using subjects and strategies, which I'm not gonna like diss that book, but I was just like, this is not creative enough for me. I didn't really like it. And I, so I think I ended up using something else for a while. And so, yeah, I went to that Taika and I went, Ooh, what is this? What, what's this DOS? <laughs> you know, like what is happening here? And slowly but surely by 2016, 
um, my colleagues and I, we, there, NDSCS started putting out these like mini grant proposals. You could do a mini grant for anything. And I'm like, Hey guys, we want our own book. We're sick of all these other ones. So my colleagues and I, Dana Anderson, Rhonda Marmon, and originally Ann Taylor, who was my, um, not just a store, not just, not just a store, but my office mate at the time. Um, we were like, yeah, let's write our own book. Aaron left us to go work in industry that little anyway. But so the three of us that summer of 2016, we like hunkered down and wrote these chapters and we were like, okay, we don't, we know students aren't going to read a lot. We, they, we, they, we got to keep our chapters brief. We got to get to the point. We've got to be concise. We used like tweets and we used infographics and we just really beefed the hell out of it. Basically just really made a really cool a document. We didn't have a ton at that point in time. I'm sure there were some really good, OER textbooks out there, but we recreated our own stuff. We really wanted our own voices in there. So like I wrote the chapter about memoir and I made fun of Oprah. Cause I don't know if you guys remember James Frey went on her show and he wrote a memoir and memoir is what you remember. And he lied, but he didn't lie because it was what he remembered. And Oprah just like bashed him. And I got so mad. So I'm like, she doesn't know what memoir is. Was just like, he was yeah. taking memoir as like autobiography. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you, he, cause he li supposedly lied about getting drug. Like they didn't, they wouldn't have put drugs in his mouth to get his tooth taken out. And he said they did and all this other anyway. So I wrote the memoir chapter and I made fun of Oprah. So I, cause I have a student might like that. And then like Dana is a lot more logical. So she did a very, she has a very professional tone. And so she did chapters that are about, more about strategies. I like genres. Well, simple. These are things that you can do with an OER that you can't get out of the textbook. Try getting a chapter published where you're making fun of Oprah through oh, a major publishing company. Right. You can't oh. customize it to that degree. And no. I mean, this is, it really is about your voice. Oh, totally. And so we created this book. Um, and because of the grant part, I think we all got paid about three grand, about three a piece to do this, maybe a little bit more than that, which I mean, I think that was minimum wage after we divided all out of our, our hours out. Um, and then that next, so this, I believe it was the school year of 16, 17, we did like a pre-test, post-test, post-test with students. Students didn't recognize the difference whatsoever between like that textbook and a traditional one. They didn't think they had learned less. They loved our voices. Um, one shocking statistic was that we asked them if they print versus digital. And our president at the time, Dr. Richmond was like, oh, I bet you're going to find out they all want digital. They, they love it. And it was half and half. A lot of them kind of wanted paper, but they didn't want to pay for that. <laughs> so they're like, okay, well, we're cool with digital. Um, and then it's kind of honestly evolved from there. So OER kind of, that's my OER story. The ungrading story comes in 2019 ish. Um, so those two things together, I feel like just are the epitome of student learning focus. Like if you can give them an accessible learning device, a tool like a textbook that they can access for free, access for free. And then you also let them figure out their learning through ungrading and you let them self-assess. Bam. I just feel like it's, I mean, I'm sure there's more for me to learn. There's more blasphemy out there to, for me to find, but those two things together just, yeah, have really, so most recently, the ones I, the reason I showed you these two, I just remixed. So I put Shakespeare. I hate Shakespeare. I'm trying not supposed to say that, but I don't care. Um, I just think he's so <laughs> overrated, but so I took, I had written a book about 
I had written my own textbook, like probably in 2012 or something called the anti-textbook of writing. And I published, I, I didn't even use it in class. I was just, that was way back. And I was like, oh, I'm going to publish a book. Funny, haha, whatever. Pearson invited me out to New York in 2013. I don't know, at some point, And they wanted to steal all my ideas for like this much royalty. And I'm like, no. So I kept it around. And then recently I went back to it and I'm like, ooh, this has good nuggets. And then I could take our Writing Unleashed, our book that we put together as uh, colleagues, took that book, this book, and all the, like, the re remixing part of OER is so fascinating to me because you can just take the chapters you like and smush them together and voila, like it's just this amazing thing that you actually want to teach with. So I've gone from that teacher's like, oh, people who follow the textbook and like go chapter one, chapter, like that's so ridiculous. And I'm like, why wouldn't I do that? This is my book, I built it so that I could just follow my list. I want to cover this first. I want to cover this second. Like now it makes sense. So because before it didn't make sense because you were given a textbook with someone else's organizational pattern. Precisely. Now it's your pattern of organization. Yes, and it makes sense. And the students, like the projects are in the middle. They're not at the end. I put like a nerdy chapter at the end that's about, I, I just, I've read so much about how grammar, like teaching them grammar separately doesn't help. You have to integrate that into their writing. So I put all the grammar in like unfun stuff at the end and called it the nerd chapter. So I might get to that. I don't know. And then there's the research in there because we're, I'm not a research heavy. The one, one of the classes I teach is, but not both. So, you know, but it's in there. It's just after the cool project. So it's like, here's, here's the cool stuff. Here's the genres here's some practice. <laughs> now here's the other, it's just, I like my organization and, and it works for me. And I think well, that's you, how OER should be. Textbook work around your head instead of the other way around, which is as instructors, that's um, opposite of how we've normally done it. Right. We get a textbook right. and we try to mold what we want to do around the textbook. Well, and exactly. That's why I got so frustrated. The one book I was using for English 120, where we cover argument was um, everything's an argument, Bedford St. Martin's love that book very thick little monster could never get through the whole damn thing it was so heavy and it was a perfect little square book it was so cute but it was so heavy and thick with stuff and they'd all of a sudden they just they would change like set, they would flip-flop a couple of chapters and add some new stuff about obama versus bush and i'd be like now i have to update all my crap because they flip-flopped yep. a couple of things yep. and now yep. i have to and i just now i decide when i want to update this and the OEP, the Open Educational Pedagogy or Practices part of this is I ask my students for their consent at the beginning of the semester. So if they create like this amazing memoir that's better than the one I have in there, I can put that in there my, and the next time I do a revision. So it becomes like this living, fluid, flexible thing. And my students, I think they like that they're in there. I mean, I asked one, I asked a few of them for uh, permission to go into my creative writing one. And because they originally give, had given me consent for one for English 110 and they write back like, oh, of course, like they're just so pumped. And, you know, who, who want to be a textbook? Why have a textbook full of like really dry crap when you can have student writing in it? Right. Well, it gives them something to strive for, too, whether or not people are competitive. Some are and some aren't. <laughs> yeah. But um, that, that's one aspect of it. Um, Okay, I got a couple questions for you. I, I found it fascinating that you said, actually, I got a whole lot of questions. <laughs> I was going to say, so Wade is always worried like that I'm going to like just kind of take over. And I was like, I think with Sybil, I'm going to try to be quiet. But then of course, <laughs> all I have all these practical questions because like, yeah, I, I'm going to let you ask your questions, Wade, but it's like, 
right now my head, Sybil, is do you remember when we had our first conversation about ungrading and I was like, like my head started, like my eyes got bigger and I just kind of went, wait, what, what, what? That's how I feel right. I have like 85 questions on the practicality of doing this. Yeah. But I'm gonna let Wade ask the questions because you and I can talk whenever. <laughs> uh, well, no, Mary, you jump in also, but I my, my first thing that you said is like a while ago, printed versus digital, right? I have never really thought about it. So um, a lot of students, when they take these online classes, they, they get involved in what they call Cengage, right? They pay a membership, they pay, a, they pay $250 for four semesters worth of electronic delivery of a book. Now, here's what I found is that sometimes they want the printed version. Mm-hmm. So we're sometimes they're, they're paying twice. They will pay for the Cengage version. I've never even thought about this until you started talking. And then they turn around and they say, I want to print a copy of that because I'm going to graduate next semester and I won't have access to Cengage anymore. So I'm going to go fork over $82 and 50 cents at the bookstore for the printed version after I bought the electronic version. Yep. That, that, that's, um, that's wild to me. I um, will say that there is one group, there's one publishing revel, I think it's through Houghton Mifflin or something like that, but they, so I use them. I do use their textbook for 1220, which is our research-based class and their textbook. They don't have a printed version. They have the online version, but here's the great thing. If you buy the online version, you can ask them to send you the printed version for free. Oh, sure. So they'll send you that. You have to print it off. Yeah. Right. But it's not a huge textbook. I want to say it's like a hundred page, hundred pages or something, but at least they have the option then. And it's not costing them an arm and a leg to get it. Cause there are some that really want that printed version. Cause they want to handwrite like yeah. some of the exercises or some of the things we do. So it's an electronic PDF that's formatted to be printed. Right. That's just the thing too. My sister is taking some classes. I'm going to try not to throw a lot of people under the bus here, but my sister's taking some classes at a nearby institution for her master's in gerontology and they've outsourced all sorts of classes so she called like she started texting me a couple semesters ago and she's like um what's this thing called inclusive access and I'm like grumble grumble lots of swear words lots of swear words I'm like okay um it's this this and this she's like oh that's why you keep talking about this OER stuff I'm like yeah and she is a she's a book she's a bookworm she wants a book can she get one through this service? No. And she actually wants to have the books for like, because this is her job. She wants to be in, she's working with the elderly all the time. She wants an actual copy. Poor thing. She has, she's like, I hate reading on the, on the, on the screen. I'm like, yeah. I hate I screen reading. I hate it. So what I've done is my students get the digital, like they can download a PDF. I give it to them in Word. I give it to them in Google Docs. So they have three different types of what, whatever they want to read it, however they want to read it digitally. Then I went, our books, our copy center is pretty cool. They will make a copy for them, but for some reason, their paper is more expensive than Amazon. I don't know why it is, but so I think this one, I kept mine to 150 pages, if not less. They'll do a spiral binding at our copy center. And I think they'll charge them like 15-ish if it's black and white. And I made it in black and white specifically because I wanted them not to have to pay for um, color paper or color ink. Yep. Um, but on Amazon, if you self-publish and put a zero royalty, zero, zero dollar royalty in, which I, what I did with this one, um, it's like $5 and 34 cents. What? And what's nice is it just ships to them. I don't, the copy center doesn't have to worry about it. They don't have to, they just go to Amazon with their prime and go, 
and five dollars 34 cents isn't that nuts and i i need to like people on campus want me to do a workshop on that to show them how to do the self-publishing yes. stuff because yes 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 because i mean so, i know this is a podcast where we're just talking about stuff but this is i mean this is the stuff i want Sybil. this is really so accessible the, i'm not sure where the paper's coming from but it's not any like it's not see-through <laughs> you know it's like it works so it's really cute i, I probably shouldn't show the back because that's where i put jay rich's uh, sticker about f-bombs but um oh. so <laughs> but yeah um so that's what I do. And I just tell them, I put the link in the syllabus and I'm like, okay, if you are a person who can read on your screen, not a problem. You need, did you need a paper copy? Here you go. And then because I just, I couldn't help myself. I bought 10 author copies, which are a little cheap. Well, they weren't, they seemed cheap, but I had to pay for shipping. So they probably weren't that cheap, whatever, but they they end up being about $5 a piece for me. I bought a whole bunch and then I put a sticker on them that says this book belongs to Sybil and I put them in the classrooms that I teach in. And so students who are just hanging out and want to just look at a chapter real quick can do that. And somebody said, well, Sybil, what if somebody steals one? I'm like, if somebody steals a book, that would be the coolest freaking thing that's ever happened. It's like a massive compliment in my oh, mind. Like, They're going to steal one of my textbooks? That's awesome. <laughs> just like, that sounds so stupid. I but I'm like, oh, I would love that. <laughs> well, the creative writing one, because it's in color. Oh, that's not a colored page. Whatever. This one is like $11. Woo. You know, but anyway. So yeah, so the stuff is, ooh, what's up? Sorry. How did you, I mean, I have read a lot of your stuff because when, when I started down the road of ungrading and believe me, I still go back to your stuff. You were kind enough to share an entire Google drive document with me with all sorts of information. And stuff. That's the one thing I love about number one, Taika and number one about our relationship is that good teachers share. Yes. Like, I don't want to own it. I want to share it with everybody. Like here's something really cool. I know. And I want you to do it too, or at least know about it. Oh, and I feel like the open ed community too, that's where this is like this weird branch between like Taika, you know, the two-year college English people and the open, I do feel like the open ed people are just a little more open to weirder ideas. I've, I go to Taika's all the time and I'm constantly pushing the button of like OER and now I'm going to be pushing the ungrading button on everybody. And I, I love that community. It's weird that I'm meeting with you guys because in like two weeks, it's open ed week and I'm going to attend a whole bunch more webinars just to get more ideas. But they're just so, they're always like, here, here's my stuff. And here's, and what's nice is they all use the Creative Commons license. So you put a Creative, Com, creative, a creative Commons license on your stuff and everybody knows you can use it. And then you know how to use it. If you, if there are certain symbols involved, you can't use it for, to make money. You have to give attribution, that kind of thing. But yeah, I just, I feel like sharing I feel like the unofficial model motto is sharing is caring. Like, I just feel like that's, that's their unofficial model for open. It's just, why not do that? I was talking to another colleague about OER. She teaches in our architectural drafting program. And she said, so you just do this out of the the kindness of your heart. I'm like, well, like OER is also about social justice. Like if students see their voices in this book, you're opening, you're taking away the whitewashing that is typical in textbooks by making it more accessible. I'm helping out those students who have, don't have a lot of money. So your help, it it does more than just, it's more than just me being a kind person. It's like this education should be more than just me standing up there and and talking about a book that I don't care. I mean, I feel like I have more joy because of the ungrading and because this book is, I mean, just 
Look at no. I just love how it no, no Shakespeare. Go away. I just love that it's no. That's such a Midwestern thing, the note. Yeah. (laughs) Love that journey for me. Because see, it's Alexis's little. Yeah. Love that journey for me. Love that journey for me. It's bigger than any one instructor, I I think, is you know, part of what you're saying is it you gotta think bigger than than a single person putting in the time of doing it. Yes. So Mary, can I go with another question or do you have one? It's fine. It's fine. So I've heard quite a bit about OERs and how they work for people that are in um, students and teachers alike that are in liberal arts, English okay. sciences. I teach uh, photography, commercial photography, video classes, Photoshop classes, and my mind is racing. Yeah. Like, am I? Can I find something out there? that is suitable or is it going to be from photoshop 1.0 all the way back from 1992 and no longer applicable or is this something that i can make and then i'm like oh my god how about this can i make an oer that is like um it's it's interactive it's a digital version but it's got like animated gifs and it's got links to videos and it's got like hover states when you do this stuff like oh my gosh you're gonna your mind's gonna be blown but i was just in a webinar where these graphic design ladies these two from can't remember what college i'll send you the link if you want it it's i'm sure you could find it but they have a website and it's like they teach two different kinds of graphic design classes they found that a textbook textbook didn't work for them like like one like this that comes in paper they're using google slides that are eight by ten this way so it's a slide and that they have it editable by their students i believe but yeah they're putting gifts in there and videos and all that And then what's nice about the Google slide version is that the students, you can edit it so much easier. Like I don't, I don't need to revise this for a couple of years probably, but they can edit it on the fly because yeah, they said, yeah, so we did all these videos and did all this stuff and then Photoshop or something like that changed. And they went, every we have to revise everything. So they were like, okay, we need something that's very fluid. So yeah, graphic design. And then I was going to say, I have a lot of technical faculty who come up to me, the, uh, a diesel tech uh, teacher asked me, and then same with the girl who I had lunch with about architectural design, skillscommons.org. Is that what they are maybe? But skillscommons is where I typically send everybody who's got the more technical side of, of classes going on. And it's getting back, like back in 2015, 2016, it was pretty much like English teachers putting their stuff out there because English is just kind of, I mean, has rhetoric changed? Eh. There's a lot of public domain you can use about Aristotle and his crap. And, you know, I also don't really like him. But anyway, so there's there's a lot of stuff that's already out there for liberal arts. You are correct. What's interesting, too, is what I've, when we did a seminar before the pandemic, I had two people come up, come to the seminar who uh, one of them is our um, he teaches the oh medical the students EMT. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. OK, so he needs a book that's like half. Um, training people how to do CPR, that kind of stuff, whatever. And then he needs another one. He needs another book that does the more up-to-date policies and procedures. And so very typical health things, but then a book like the other. So he had this weird combo that he needed where one side needed to be very fluid and the other, not so much. So he's like, I really do need a digital version of something. I'm like, there, that's where, because he was having the students buy two books and it was kind of And they were probably huge. Right. And then I'm constantly updated, can't use them. Right. And then our culinary teacher, he is doing a humanities 
cultural excursion class, something like that, where they go somewhere. Well, he needs it half travel based. Like you need to get these shots. You should get this for your passport, whatever. The other half of the book or materials needs to be where they're going. Like, okay, here's, here's what you need to know about France, like whatever. So his book also needed book needed to be very fluid. And I'm like, digital is the way to go. You can always change it so much easier. And we'll put some of these links that you're mentioning in the podcast description so that people. Well, I gave you a whole bunch more if you need, yeah, a place to start. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Everything. Well, and so, so, cause mine comes back to like the practicality. Sybil, uh, so you self published to Amazon. Like, what does it take to do that? You, okay, on the front page of Amazon, if you scroll way to the bottom, it's called Kindle. Kindle independent, independent publishing, Kindle is they, are they calling it the Kindle independent publishing? Anyway, at the bottom, you'll see something that says <laughs> independent publishing, and then you have to make an account for yourself. And it's pretty self-explanatory after that. You have to make sure your bank is connected. And then as you put books in there, as you um, upload books in certain formats, it takes you through all that. Um, you decide the royalty amount and money goes into your account as you make money. Like my personal books, you know, I decide the royalty on those and with the OER, I just choose zero and yep. students can get them and it's lovely. So, right. That is like amazing. Like yeah. I would like to put together, I was just, I mean, just of course, right. Like one thing leads to another. And I was just thinking, you know, my colleague, Alyssa. Um, she's been on our podcast talking about how she became a non-asshole teacher, um, <laughs> right? Which also I think comes from you, Sybil, right? We've had so many conversations about, I used to be an asshole. Um, I said, I used to call, I call being a dick. I don't want to be a dick anymore. And my, right? my, my whole department's like, you weren't a dick. I'm like, oh, I was. Oh, I was. Right, right. You yeah. will be here and you'll be here by this time. Like all of the, all of the hoops that we put up for students to jump through. Yeah. But she and I, you know, created a whole bunch of rubrics, not really rubrics, um, graphic organizers. I know they're so cool. And I was thinking about putting some together. Like if I were to create an OER, like I would want to have those included because they really help students to visualize how do I break down what I'm reading and make sense out of it. And so that just nice is you, I know like with students, I don't want to interrupt you, but this is only one of the sizes. So if you wanted yours to look even, I think they make eight and a half by 11. So that's a little bit bigger than this one. So if you wanted yours to look more like a workbook than a book book, I mean, there's so many sizes. Cause I know when students are writing, you know, they don't always have tiny penmanship. A lot of them like to, you know, so you're, you could make a nice little, put your organizer and then have tons of space to play with them. I think that'd be great. And I think about it in terms of, sorry, wait, I feel like you want to say something, but I'm totally going to override you right now. I think about it in terms of the whole notion of being student ready. Our textbooks traditionally are not student ready. Um, the one I'm using right now is uh, They Say, I Say, and it's probably the closest to being student ready and written in a voice that's not condescending that I've ever used. Um, but I have, still, a of, I have a whole list of books that are supposedly a good substitute for, the, for that book. Well, and so in yeah. OER. Yes. Okay, because that's what I'm, that's, I like the book. I like the style of it. I would probably add and change things a little bit just because of, I know, because I know what I want to do with my students. And so, you know, once you get through the first part of it, which is really talking about, you know, how do I summarize? How do I do this? How do I do that? These little short chapters are beautiful. And then I get to the essays and I'm like, I don't like any of these. <laughs> well, that's why I started off with, I call it chapter zero because people can cut it out without, 
um, really screwing up the chapter part of the book. But chapter zero and chapter one really get at, you are a writer. You probably don't think you're a writer, but you're a writer and you are a reader. Think of all the things you read. And then I have a couple exercises in there where I have to tally up, like make a tally in their head of do some math. How much reading do you do on your phone? Like text messages, email, think about all the stuff you're reading because they don't, they think people have to read a book. No, no, no. Yeah. You're reading all the time. So right. I, I'm with you. I feel like some of the books just kind of jump in and my students aren't dumb. They just need to kind of realize how their intelligence. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like they're it ready, totally, but I yes. feel like textbooks assume that they're, I don't know that they're like seven points ahead. And I'm like, no, you gotta like tell them, no, you can do this. You can do this. Here's a hurdle. Here might be, this might be a hurdle. This might be a hurdle, but you can do all these things. And now we're going to practice. So like, right. yeah. And that comes with ungrading too, right? Like I've stopped saying, you know, you have an essay due and I say, we're going to practice writing now, you know, instead of, cause when I say essay, they're like, Oh God, here we go. So I'm like, this assignment is going to practice writing and we're going to practice these skills in this assignment. Yeah. Right. And then they're like, Oh, it's just practice. Right. And then they get all the feedback and they're like, Oh, look at all this stuff. I'm right. Well, so. the colleague who I kind of sucked in with my I, I, ungrading project idea, she said that she wanted her students to play around with a certain strategy. She said, I, I had them do this thing and I wanted them to play around with humor and it all, it just fell flat. And I have a couple of days and I don't really want to screw on my schedule, but I said, well, why don't you just tell them you're not going to grade it? And she just was like, crap. Yeah. What? Yes. <laughs> like tell them they have to play with it and that you're, they're going to grade it. And that she came up with a single point rubric to put on the top and voila. And she, I, I, pop, I popped into her office this morning. It was just like, so how are we feeling about the idea? And she's like, Oh, I'm going to, I have, a, I created the rubric and I'm going to hand it out tomorrow. And I'm so excited. I'm like, and I said, Dana, you're not going to have to grade those. You're just going to give feedback. Cause she's the one who comes in my office. She's like, I have so much to grade. And I'm like, then don't. Well, I, I'm like, did you have conferences with them? You talked to every single student and gave them feedback. Mm -hmm. Then why just tell them to give them, get, tell you the grade? That's, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> just like, you know, but for some or, people, it's so blasphemous to say these things. I know, I know. Like, it's okay that they grade themselves. And if there's a big discrepancy, then you have a conversation. Like, hey, which, is, which again builds trust, right? That isn't that what we're trying to do? Yes, precisely. Okay, I'm gonna steer us back. <laughs> right, I got the big old wheel, and I'm steering us. It's like back. Wade's like really scared. He's like, I'm gonna have to edit this part. You don't have to edit this one at all, Wade. Just I know. run it live. Well, Sybil's got to keep her keep the language um, appropriate. She's Sybil, being she's, so clean. She totally is. I, I, I said dick. I did say dick. I said asshole. <laughs> Those are I haven't all dropped an F-bomb yet. I said frickin'. I know, right? <laughs> and I'm the F-bomb queen, so I'm just holding she back. She is. Holding she back. is. Okay, so two things. One, it's called Kindle Direct Publishing, I think. Does that I sound think right? I think something like, if you scroll to the bottom, you'll see something about independent blah, blah, blah. Go with yeah. that. Yes. So, um, <laughs> independent and, blah, blah, blah. Here's something else I just found. It's really hard to get to the bottom of Amazon. Yes. Because they keep putting recommendations and products and They're hey you sneaky. bought this 18 years ago it's you might like want target. to target it's They're just target sneaky. it, it keeps going they're so sneaky. in order to get to the pharmacy you have to go through all the shampoos and all that stuff at target right like all of a sudden right. i got 300 dollars worth of stuff and i haven't gotten to the pharmacy like, yet. physically very hard but then yeah amazon you have to like scroll faster right. <laughs> okay so i'm gonna play a little game called devil's advocate here all right 
Okay. And I've got Ready? a list of, I don't know, five or six items and I'll read through them first and then um, I'll go back through. And if you want to address um, some of these topics, then you can. Here, I Googled pros and cons of open educational resources, and I'm going to go through some of the disadvantages. So quality issues, lack of human interaction between teachers and students. You can't just shake your head, Sybil. It's a podcast. I know, but she's going to go through yeah, the first she, and then sorry. address the ones that she wants to. <laughs> it's a podcast. Okay. You can't shake your oh, head. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I forgot. <laughs> okay. Language and or cultural barriers. Hmm. Oh, wow. Wouldn't that remove them more, though? Yeah. Hold on, Mary. Technological issues. Intellectual property and copyright concerns. And the last one would be about sustainability issues. Sustainability, oh, I'm, I'll work backwards maybe. Sustainability, okay. what, what do they kind of mean by that? That I, that it's hard to sustain what I, like so this it says, not um, Since I really OER understand. creators generally do not receive any type of payment, oh. um, there may be little incentive for them to update or ensure yeah. it'll continue to be available online. I get that part. So yeah, it is super important for OER creators if they are going like, and we, whenever we give out grant money, we make sure that like, if you're going to author a book, you get paid like 5,000. It, it kind of goes down the line from there. So somebody who's just going to do a remix, it's like, there's, there's a certain amount for that. Like two, I don't even, can't remember exactly where we got all of our numbers from, but probably from the NDUS system. Um, but I do believe in paying people up front for their time and energy, because that's very important. So yes, it's probably not sustainable if you're not going to reimburse them down the line. But I also feel like now... I kind of want to call BS on that because I, now that I have this, why wouldn't I want to keep this up? Why wouldn't I want to, you know, like, and I have, like, I feel like I have a cherished baby now. Right. Like I want to make sure it gets its vitamins. Well, but what I kind of like what you said is that it is not, um, it is not, it doesn't sound like it strictly falls on your shoulders, that there should be grants and there should be institutions. Our institutions should be supporting us for, uh, yeah to continue to create these, whether this is through um, grant money or it's through credit releases or um, uh, and, uh, big I, positions potentially, but. I think though, I think you're absolutely right, Sybil. Once you're invested in it, like I think the there's an upfront payment, right? Somebody is going to create this thing, right? But once you've created it and you're using, I mean, if you're going to create it for it to be static, why are you creating it? Yeah, I feel like that's right. Because and in my mind, if I'm creating a textbook for my class, I'm going to use it in my class and I'm going to want to keep adding my voice or my ideas to it or their voices and their ideas. And if there are people who, there, I can see that that's a legit concern that down the line, you're not going to be reimbursed because our, our campus can be a little stingy with that stuff. Um, I did apply for like a $500 stipend just to remix those two. I found so much joy in doing them that I don't really care that I didn't get paid back. But I think if you are concerned about the sustainability, you should make sure that your campus will not only give you the upfront stipend, but that, okay, later on, if I remix or add to this, that I will get paid again, or, so, or you're going to ask yourself, you know, what, what will I do if I get to that point and I'm not going to get payment or something? So, I mean, that's really good for our listeners out there for the, if they want to pursue this and do their own OER, then maybe that's a question that they ask up front before yeah. they get going is how can we continue to support this? Yes. Not a one-time thing, but instead 
um, you know, give me 10 years, a 10 year plan. If that's $500 a year, um, or, or dedicate so many hours to it from your, uh, instructional budget, then how are we going to do that? Well, and I will say that in the Minnesota system, right, we have, we have kind of like a shark tank or, um, a, um, innovations grant that you can apply for. You can apply for it. It's like a two year running grant. Um, and then at the end of that, you can pay it forward. So you can have others can take grants off of that, or you can, I think you can apply to sustain for a while as well, but you could easily go back and, and apply for a second grant. I'm sure to do updates or something like that. That's how, that's how, listen, I did our, our, our organizers off of a innovation grant. There you go. So yeah, there's, there's lots of money out there. I think too, the other question you might want to ask yourself at the beginning, and I did this when I started to realize that I wanted to insert my students, I thought, okay, I really want to make this easy for myself. So I asked them for the consent at the beginning of the semester. And then as I am going through, like right now, I already found a couple of errors in here. So I have one book at, at the school at my campus office that I am like, making so my revisions in the end will be very simple because I've already you know I've already marked up this one and then I also might as I'm going through this make a note of which memoirs or which genres I want a different I know a different feel for so that the process if I don't see payment for some reason if I don't get a stipend that it's not a it's not hard for me to just plug in new stuff and then you know, it's new. So, um, I can see where people, yeah, the money thing, if it's not there, sustainability might be tough. Um, intellectual property and copyright. Um, so I have a creative commons license on mine. I can see, I have heard that by having, by having created it through campus, that I, that the, my, it might not be my own intellectual. I don't know enough about this to be completely honest. My, I am sure my librarian, and that's the thing too, OER seems to be sitting with a lot of librarians really easily or not sitting with them, but they know as much as probably some faculty do. So if you know a librarian who knows this stuff, go like, you know, mine their brains for stuff because they're just amazing or to even brainstorm where to find more things. But I do believe that because I wasn't paid, like that's another thing about the payment thing. They didn't pay me for this one. So do they own it? Right, right. I mean, that's not really, it's mine. I, and I mean, who's like, if I leave and this is like in the LMS, the next teacher who like teaches my class, are they really going to use my book? I don't know. I mean, so you do, but that is something to ask yourself, I guess, if how you feel about if you get a grant through the school and you make a thing, do they now own it? And they can, I, that is stuff that somebody might have to look at. Ask into. questions. It sounds like is the answer. Yeah. Um, technological, some students, yes, that does suck. Um, when the pandemic hit, I was, uh, I love the fact that I could just say, Hey, all my students can like go home with my book. They don't have to worry about it. I did have a student who lives in very rural North Dakota who, um, texted me on my Google voice and said, I can't, you know, I can't get to the, to the book and everything. And I thought, Oh, how can I fix this? How can I figure this out? And he, that was a struggle. So I gave him with the ungrading system, luckily in my arsenal, I could give him extra time to find, you know, a way to get there. Um, he discovered that when he went into town, he had Wi-Fi by sitting like outside of some store. So he would read the book, read the chapter at the time. But I thought, man, I really wish he would have had a paper copy, but how do I get, you know, like, I, should I buy a student a paper, you know? So yes, that in rural parts of the States, I suppose that would be a, a very, 
big issue. And that, but that's, that's not okay. even an issue with OERs. That's an issue with just textbooks. Yeah. And accessibility. And just accessibility Absolutely. in general. Yes. Yeah. I should note that, that Sybil, these aren't my. This oh, no, no, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. You're just trying to get in there. Um, the language and cultural barrier thing, when I first, um, so the open, the open textbook library through the U of M, I, I think they have my Writing Unleashed book on there, our Writing Unleashed book on there. And somebody did go through it and give us pretty a harsh review. Well, I shouldn't say, maybe it was pretty objective. But I had used some slang in my chapters and I had kind of used some euphemisms that are probably more geared towards the Midwest, just like, nope, <laughs> nope. Um, <laughs> but in my, I just kind of thought, well, how do I make this student friendly and, and not use slang and be a little silly and, and stuff? So I can understand that if a student who didn't have English as a first language read my book, there might be a couple of spots where they're like, what does she mean by that? But then, you know, if they bring it up to you, then it becomes a conversation for like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, that's a euphemism because we're idiots here and we don't just actually say what we want to say. We have euphemisms for everything. So, so I can, I get that. So yeah, I, there actually is a colleague of mine who wants to teach ESL with an OER. And I'm sure that's where you really have to be very careful with your language and your cultural sure, barriers right. and things. So, I mean, I get it. I, that is, yeah, I probably should take out my, I don't know. There's kind of like, is there a balance between that and trying to still have a very student centered, because I'm sure if I use my student examples, they're probably going to have slang in their examples too. And I don't really, I want to cut that out and censor them. So. But doesn't that really get to the, I mean, there's, this is a whole other subject. There's a whole other podcast, the conversation about what constitutes academia now, like, what constitutes academic writing? I mean, yes. we I use the I use an essay, you know, that's that's written in Black English and it's research and it's academic, right? But it's not my language. It's not the way I write. And you get to that point where you think about, but is the way I write the way that everybody has to write? You know, isn't it more about having content and being clear in what you're saying, regardless of the slang? No, I, that's a good point, Mary. And actually one of the first in one of in somewhere in the beginning of my book, I took from um, it's a, a satirical book called Bad Ideas About Writing. It's an OER, huge OER called Bad Ideas About Writing. And they talk about the white people language in there. And I and I have that in there and I talk about how our language is racist and how we think of, you know, professional how you a professional tone and everything. So maybe me having the slang in there counteracts all this like oh you're supposed to be because I asked my students today I'm like what does professional mean and they're just like well dry really technical I'm like yeah well I don't want you shouldn't have to write like that to your bosses all the time like there's a I, I sometimes feel like the textbooks when they're professional right they are condescending to students oh totally totally yeah I, I told my students that. on day one that I'm a white woman who's pretty much only read white male stuff so my narrow, I have a very narrowed view of what good writing is supposed to be. And so I told them, like, I just want you guys to bash that. I want to broaden it. I want to know what you're, because I said, if all of you wrote something in here, how would we know who wrote badly and who, who wrote well? And they, it was silence. And I didn't know if that was good or bad. I was like, well, we wouldn't know, right? Spelling, because we went over the whole, like, does spelling mean you're an idiot if you misspell? And they're like, no, because I'm like, okay. So 
Do all of you know what a semicolon is? I love them. I think they're the best punctuation mark on the whole planet. But you just because I know how to use them doesn't make me amazing, does it? And they, they don't know how to answer. <laughs> they're right? They're like, is this a trick question? But, you know, if you dig in and that's why I love starting with what I've started with in my book, because we can just break all that down. I tell them that they're a writer. I tell them they're a reader. And then I tell them whatever you write is good. And then I think they're just like, holy, what is happening with this? Class? <laughs> what you're doing is really. Right. Crossing paths here a little bit. Um, but you have to deprogram them. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'm finding I have to deprogram them with ungrading, right? Even just last week, I had a PSEO student who was like, well, what's my grade? There's not, it says complete, incomplete and empty. And I'm like, well, if you haven't empty, then you haven't added something in. She's like, oh, and I'm like, have you read the feedback? No, I'm like, that's what's most important, you know? And she's like, well, what am I getting? And I'm like, you're getting an education. (laughs) I'm learning some stuff. Yeah. No program, I have to deprogram them and myself. The other day I was kind of snippy with some students and I'm like, why am I being snippy? Because I'm trying to control their behaviors again. I'm like, stop, 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 stop. And in my head, I thought they're not reading the book. Okay, well, if they're not reading the book, what else do, what do I need them to truly do? Do I really need them to read the book or do we need to have a conversation about the activity that's, you know, and it, it really all this ungrading stuff, OER and ungrading together because they're so focused on student learning. I've had to like rethink almost every darn thing I do. And it's, it's a good thing gives me a headache, but it's a good thing. And yeah, I, I I just think, yeah, that deprogramming part, oof, that's, I had a student say, oh, I think I asked one of the first questions that's in the textbook. I I made sure to put questions in there too. That's their thing about OER. I can put activities and questions in there that I definitely want to like use as my journal prompts for the day or whatever. And I won't lose them. Like I always feel like yours. Right. When you use some other publishing, t- when you use a book that's by a publisher, you have this extra stuff over here. And now all my stuff's together in one right. space. So the question I asked was just, um, oh, what was it now? Oh, what do you think students mean when they say I'm bad? At, like I'm doing quotation marks, everybody on the podcast. What are they, when I write badly, when you're told you write badly. And what do students mean when they tell me that? And my students, because I said, okay, just to give you all context, I told my class, I said, in the past, I've had students come up to me and say, I, I write badly. I don't, I'm not a good writer. I never have been. And I'm like, okay, well, how do you know that? And I said, how, can you guys give me some insight? Why do they tell me this? <laughs> Student said, well, sometimes it's not like obvious, but when you get papers back in K-12 and there's red ink all over them, you just start to assume that you suck. And I'm like, oh, so it's not overt sometimes it's covert. Like they're just, and that made me so sad. I'm like, yeah, I suppose I, if I saw a lot of red ink too. And it's fine. It's, 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 it's that red ink is just, is working to justify the grade, isn't it? Like it's an A, but it's an A minus. And I'm going to show you all the reasons why. Yep. Versus just, the oh, other side of it. Yeah. I did four hours yesterday. Oh, I think I texted you about it, Mary. I did like four hours of feedbacking. I'm making up a new word, feedbacking like yesterday. It and it was so nice to just read what they wrote and tell them why it was amazing or what I thought they could have done a little bit better or whatever. I didn't have to justify a darn thing. It was so, it went really, it went by really fast. And I'd normally when I have to grade in the past, I'd be like, oh, 
do I have to clean anything in the house? Like, I don't really want to do this. Like, I just really don't want to have to do this. And yesterday I was like, okay, I'm going to get my Coke and I'm going to sit down and read some stuff. And that's, it's just different. Yeah. And so when, I, when I do my feedback days um, at, for the student work, it is, it, inevitably it's the one time that I feel most like a teacher. Like, I, 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 I'm like, okay, it's going to be a long day. I got a lot of feedback to give students. When yeah. it's all said and done, I'm like, wow, that was better than the teaching. Yeah. I love giving feedback for students. To students. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the lack of, lack of, inter okay, so another reason they're giving is there's a lack of human interaction between teachers and students. No, not they're not sure created, but say that, okay, so that's false because they're not always created as a standalone. Um, if you do, like, I think once you get sucked into OER, it's kind of similar to ungrading, but once you get sucked into OER and the open community, you do want to know how you can bring more open practices into your, you know, arsenal or whatever. I think I've used that word twice now, but whatever. So I immediately thought, okay, I want my students stuff in here. I want them to be in here. And I think when the last project in one of my classes, or maybe it's both of them, I say, okay, this is the last project for this class is create something for this book or or something I can use in class, a quiz. I don't know. You create something that you think this class needs. And usually they create a, a really cool text, uh, a chapter about something I haven't covered. Like I don't have a, I don't have a chapter about slang or about um, Ebonics, African-American vernacular. Um, I don't have a chapter in there about swear words. I don't, you know, the history of language. I don't have that in there. That'd be kind of interesting. Maybe a really brief chapter about that. So when I tell them that they're going to add to it, like you said earlier, Wade, they kind of feel a little more like whether it's competition or just pride, they're like, oh, yeah. I might add to this. Okay, well, let's see what I can get out of my brain. You know, let's see what happens. Um, and then the quality issues <laughs> originally, I like just <laughs> made a bad face about that. Um, they've pretty much proven, I don't know if there's a study that they, no, I feel like I saw a study. Somebody did some study about that and the quality is just as comparable to publishing companies. And well, we find mistakes really, in textbooks all the time. Right. I feel like even if somebody said, Sybil, you're, 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 you're making fun of shit, your book that makes fun of Shakespeare, that book is not whatever. I'd be like, I don't care. My students are still, if student learning is the goal, they're still learning. So shut your trap. That's probably what I tell somebody. That, the quality of this textbook is not quite blah, blah, blah. Eh, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> because <laughs> they want it to be like professional and appropriate and right it, it does uh, so over those well, words <laughs> right well, when i think of quality issues i think of like um i could just I'm, I'm, this is not accurate <laughs> and this does not represent everybody but i can see somebody publishing a book on what they know but what they know is um not historically accurate or it's not it's not how you use a semicolon like that's not how you're supposed to use a semicolon but they published a book on with their with their opinion on how to do it and now it's popular and people are reading it is that okay is that acceptable is that part of the process or is that just like to me i can see that being so irritating like like how is it vetted yeah right yeah good good question i mean Aren't there a lot of dumb books out there that are published by publishing companies? So I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like OER, you whatever you demean about OER, the publishing companies have already done it and like they got away with it. Like right now, Joe Rogan, not to be political, but like he gets to spout out whatever he wants. 
everybody thinks he's truthful. I don't know. But like nobody censors his crap. So like, why can't I just write a book about how we shouldn't all have to talk the same way and write the same way? <laughs> Love you, Sybil. <laughs> well, just like, why, why? Why do my why do my black students have to feel like shit in my class? They don't. And I refuse to let them, you know, like I just so if somebody wants to write about the how a semicolon sucks, they can come talk to me and we'll have a little chat. But I mean, <laughs> I really do think publishing companies get away with all sorts of junk. I yes. mean, did Trump didn't Trump write a book? Eh. Yeah. You know, see what I'm saying? There's all kinds of junk out there. My stuff, I bet oh I would bet money that OER in general, like all the OERs out there and all the planet. Like if you took all of them, they're so much better. Yeah. Because they so, were done out of kindness of their heart and not for money. Well, and I would say not kindness of their heart. It's done out of the passion for teaching. It's done out of the passion of sharing, right? And and, 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 and social justice too. Yes. And totally. social justice. Well, totally. it's done to fill a void. Oh right. yeah, there you go. Yeah, totally. So here, I have to say this: <laughs> we are out of time. Oh, Schimmelfenig! <laughs> yeah, it almost—that's my word for the bad word. <laughs> that's a good. I like that. So a guy here's in, what I, here's what I want to say: it's, it's his last name. <laughs> I was like, it's his last name. Yeah, we have a Schimmelfenig on campus. <laughs> Schimmelfenig. <laughs> so like Schimmelfenig. Like it just feels really good. It's very German. Is that German? Like so I had three boys in my car today and one of them was talking about a, an ad for an attorney's ad called Schwebel gets and Steven. And the oh. one kid is like, every time you say Schwebel, he just laughs. And I'm like, that is good stuff. Here's what I want to say. We are out of time, but what I'm asking is Sybil, will you come back? Part two, let's do it. I, Cause we need to talk about ungrading. We need to, I mean, we need to move into the next series of things, but also some of the ins and outs. Like, I feel like we have people listening who are going to say, okay, I want to dip my toe in this. And I'm terrified because it, because yeah. when you go into like, when you go into open ed, you know, when you start looking at open education oh, resources, it's, it's overwhelming. Yes. So I, I, would do tell, I, either, I would tell those people too, if they don't want to wait for part two, I mean, just go to your librarian or find some nerd on campus who's already dipped their toe and just have a conversation. Buy them a coffee. Because I think that's kind of what happened with the, the friend I had um, took me out and we just chatted. I think just having a conversation. But yeah, Mary, I think there's, yeah, how do you dip your toe into anything? Like you, how do you do any of this? And the advice I was given about ungrading was just to jump into the deep end. I'm like, oh God. And I kind of did eventually have to do that. I eventually so did to, I. Yeah, you can't really dip, but OER, you can kind of dip because you can just do one chapter. You could just like, like, oh, to give an example before we have to stop. Dana, the one who I've been trying to like suck her onto the, you know, the bad side of the world. She's remixing a technical communication English 105 book. And she said, oh, I want, I really wanted to put it together before our second eight weeks. She wanted to have the book to, and I, we're getting close, right? So I said, well, why don't you just find a chapter out there? Just find the chapters, find the chapters you think you might use, plug them into the LMS. Then after this semester, take the summer to go, okay, now I want to shrink the chapter here. And, and then you can kind of like mold it a little bit better, but you Because could. you can take pieces of OER. Remix. And, and, and use them, but yes. then you can also say, okay, I want to keep this part, but I want to, I want to rewrite this part on my own. Cause that's really, I mean, the whole idea of like, you're kind of DJing it, right? Like you're yeah. mixing the music. You're like I Paris Hilton. <laughs> you are Paris Hilton. 
Yes, you are a DJ. You're taking nuggets from places that you like. You re you can rewrite unless they have now within the Creative Commons there is the ND clause like there can that, that's another little yes. no derivatives means you, they're not but you're not supposed to change it. But very few OERs have that clause on there. It's usually non-commercial which is the NC and that just means you can't you know charge for it. So typically you see a CC-BY-NC. So they want at, they want attribution, which is the buy. They want to know who it was by. And they want to, they don't want you to, you know, charge to for change it. it. Non-commercial, right. Sometimes you'll see the share alike and SA means share alike. So if you remix, you have to share it the same way they did. So if they had whatever license they use, you're supposed to use that license, if not a more stricter one. But it's really the Creative Commons. I took that certification class and learned so much, but Creative Commons is an amazing place too to, to live. In. I have to tell you this funny story about Creative Commons before we go. So um, Alyssa and I, my colleague Alyssa and I were, were trying to get our Creative Commons license. And that was part of what we needed to do. Like we needed for our innovation grant, we had to get our Creative Commons license. And we spent, I want to say it was like two days trying to figure out how to get our Creative Commons license when all we had done, we just kept pressing the button that was like for the license. And we were like, Okay, but nothing comes up. Like we were wait, like there, we thought it was this like massive process, and all we'd been doing was creating multiple Creative Commons licenses over and over and over again. Because all you need to do is press that button. Yeah, and we were like, "Are we too smart for Creative Commons?" <laughs> that's awesome. And so, yeah, that's yeah. another way that people can like search online if they don't want to go find a librarian, if they don't want to go to you know, Merlot and Skills Commons and the Open Textbook Library. Sometimes I literally go to Google or DuckDuckGo, whatever floats your boat, and I type in like the subject, so photography for Wade, and then a space and put cc-by and just see if something pops up because that means you're looking for photography that has that license. So photography- Creative that, Commons. Yeah, Creative Commons, babies. I love this. Okay. Only okay, that right. photography and the creative cloud <laughs> CC are a little bit too close together. So, but I get, I get dash. What yeah. Put the dash in there with a B Y. Oh yeah. Okay. See, see, now he's cool. just, again, Wade, people can't see you because we're a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm going to find stuff. Yes. <laughs> I want to just find this moment. I want to take this moment and I want to thank you, Sybil, so much for joining us. Thank you. Um, you're, there's not only the amount that you know, but your curiosity and your enthusiasm is so addictive. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just thankful that I've had you as, as kind of a mentor and guide for me when I've been going down this road of, of ungrading, but also just to share what you know and how much fun you've had with working with OER. And so we're going to have you back. So just be prepared. Oh, I would love to. <laughs> Thanks, Sybil. Awesome. Thank you, Sybil. Okay, see you crazies later. See you later. <laughs>